Welcome back to Success Hangout. This is Sean David on Nomsi, and I want to thank you for listening to this episode. For the regular listeners, I appreciate the comments, the feedbacks、um, that we get on a regular basis. So I really do appreciate the time that you've used to join. Now today I have with me Mr. Demola Adeshino, and for、um, those、uh, from the Nigerian background, you would、uh, you would let me preempt you、uh, by saying that there's a cultural.、Uh, um, Nuance that we subscribe to, where we call our elders uncle. So please pardon me if I call him uncle, and you're wondering.、Uh, you never told us he's your uncle, so I call him Uncle D,、uh, even though his name is Demola Adishino.、Uh, and Uncle D, on today's uh, uh, episode, we're going to be talking about the future of work in the IT industry. Specifically, looking around the opportunities, the challenges, as well as how to best navigate. The new normal that we are all facing post-COVID. So,、um, without further ado,、um, Uncle D,、uh, welcome to Success Angel.、Uh, good afternoon, Shell. I am really excited. Thank、yeah. you, thank you, Uncle D. Now, I, I, I probably won't do a good justice、uh, to your profile. Uh, but I、uh, I know that you are seasoned IT consultants、uh, with a special focus on quality assurance and software testing, and you've done this for a couple of years.、Uh, but I, I I'll give you the opportunity to just give us a quick introduction of who you are、uh, beyond what I've said so far. Um. Okay. Well, you are correct. I am. My my. I have spent probably the last. Uh, 23 years working on、um, software quality assurance within the IT sector. So that basically means that everything within IT that is built,、um, making sure that it's tested. This has become、um, more exciting over the years as we have moved into an age where、uh, our rate building applications and system has increased exponentially. And of course, also as risk that is that is、um, associated with using new product on the market from an IT perspective. So、um, yes,、yeah, so that that that's 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 where my 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 partner is.、Um, I also am、um, I'm a partner and a director in a company that actually trains、um, uh, people to become software testing、mm-hmm. specialists. And I also I'm also a partner and a director in a company that offers. Um, software testing、uh, consultancy services. To, to oh, so that that's a business that, that, schedule you must have. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 is, and I'm very very fortunate because I love what、mm. I do. So it yeah yeah. So 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 those that look at me from the outside will call me a workaholic. And、mm. um, those that know me well will say he's enjoying、mm. himself. I hear you on that. I hear you on that.、Uh, it, it reminds me of that Warren Buffet uh, 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 statement, which says that、um, when you find something you love, or you work in a place that you love, you never work a day in your life because it it's absolutely for you. Absolutely,、mm, yeah. it is. And, and tell us, what's a typical day like in in the life of uh, uh, a quality assurance software tester like yourself? What's what's a a, a typical day like? I guess it depends on what you do. So, from my perspective, I'm more on the on the on the leadership、um, type、okay. of things,、um, which means、um, 
my my if I work for an organization or provide software testing services to an organization, my biggest thing there is to develop and um, obtain to develop and obtain buy-in for a software testing strategy. Mm. Um, a lot of the programs we work on cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. running into millions of yeah. pounds. And if we're building an application or a system that's worth millions and millions of pounds, then it's important for us to have somebody mm-hmm. on board who is able to say, okay, I see what you guys are doing, and this is ha- this is the approach that we need to adopt if we're going to test mm-hmm. it. So that is what I do from a, from a leadership and a management perspective, and also developing teams and empowering teams and, you know, making, you know, teaching them how to, how to, how to become better mm-hmm. software testing specialists. Oh, from a... Yeah, from a from a from a mm-hmm. software testing analyst perspective, mm-hmm. um, the typical day really is focused 150 percent on ensuring that any application or any system that's been mm-hmm. built, okay, is only shipped after it has been through a rigorous and um, efficient and effective uh, testing mm-hmm. regime. So, a, a, a typical uh, uh, software testing analyst is spending mm-hmm. his entire day ensuring that those gaps are not there, um, or safety concerns are you sort of uh, looked into, and he spends yes. a, a typical uh, tester will spend the entire day looking at that. So, you're, that's a lot yes. of time in front of the screen. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, and um, and we are as as software testing professionals, we are intentional in everything mm-hmm. we do. So even before we're engaged on the project, we know that an application is going to be mm-hmm. built. We know it is going to have issues, mm-hmm. and we know that our primary responsibility is to pick up those issues and get them mm-hmm. fixed before the customer picks them up because by the time the customer is picking up an issue in software or, an, or, or on an application or in a mm-hmm. system it could have disastrous consequences mm, true 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 true, true. Uh, and what's the when when you say about getting the buy-in from leadership on you know yes. uh, uh on the security side or uh uh the system side how how what's the what's the um What's the approach to getting that buy-in? Because there's always mm. a concern that you have to be able to balance cost and you know the features or the capabilities of this new technology. How do you balance that? What's your approach to convincing someone uh, and, and getting that buy-in? And the reason why I ask that question is then people will listen and I interact with a lot of uh, individuals within a professional network um, who are thinking they, they're climbing up uh, in leadership positions within their organizations and they have to justify a business case to an organ uh, within within their organization and it's often a challenge to convince beyond oh it's the cheapest and it's the best <laughs> in that sense mm. so how do you go about that and you just talk us through that well, that's yeah, that's an amazing question because it is a question that demonstrates that it is a question that demonstrates insights in, into into our world. Um, my approach is that I I I try to debunk the myth that there are a group of guys over there in the left hand mm-hmm. corner and they say that they're testing 
and um, we're, we're obliged to follow what they say. We don't really like them. We don't really understand what mm-hmm. they're doing, but, you know, and they seem, they look and seem and smell very expensive. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is when they come, we'll slash their budget in half and just go with them and fight them to the end. So I, I, you will find that in a lot of our, in a lot, in a, in a lot of companies, in a lot of organizations, that is generally, I, I, I you know, tongue in cheek, but that's generally the, 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 the impression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw you. My, my, my approach, and, and this is what I teach my, my, my people, is that quality must be a joint responsibility. Mm-hmm. Okay, so quality must be a joint responsibility. That basically means we all own quality, number one. Number two, okay, so now that we all own quality, uh, somebody needs to look after quality. Mm-hmm. So number two is that we recognize that we are not experts. Mm-hmm in looking after quality and so number three is then we need an expert to look after quality because number one we recognize that quality belongs to all of us it's our collective responsibility we know that we're not experts so now we now recognize that we need somebody who is going to look after quality Mm. and that is when we go out and engage the demola additioners of the world now when i come on board my responsibility is to demonstrate mm-hmm. to them okay that indeed it's collaborative indeed it's a collective responsibility and i also need to provide them the assurance mm-hmm. that i that i know what i'm mm-hmm. doing and i need to demonstrate a business case mm-hmm. for them because here's the thing we're not cheap mm-hmm. this is the mm-hmm. problem so you are right my bill is going to be a big mm-hmm. deal um not because i'm spending that money personally but because of the infrastructure the framework that needs to be put in place to ensure that whatever is being built okay is tested Mm. properly um when we're building it we're all saying to ourselves that we're very good at what we do so there's likely to be any form of disaster Mm -hmm. but the story about life is that there's always something that goes Mm. if you today i just posted on linkedin that I read a piece of uh, some news where the COVID um, testing infrastructure mm. has been put in place has had some coding errors. Mm. And because of those errors, okay, we're not getting the results that we expect to get. And there's a little bit of miscommunication mm. just because there is a bug in the software. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, right now, those guys are not going to be very mm-hmm. happy. But back about four, five, six months ago, if they had been told that it's going to cost X amount of money to build this and test it properly, they would have said to themselves, hang on a minute, to build it cost mm-hmm. X. And test it seems to be costing almost the same mm-hmm. as X. No. You understand? So if I'm not able to convince them that it's a worthwhile investment, mm-hmm. okay, test it irrespective of how much it costs, you know, and of course within reason and not breaking the bank, then we will end up where we've ended up you know, uh, before yesterday, where we now have a report that the application that is a public-facing application doing a public mm-hmm. service is now not working. Millions of people are having complaints with mm-hmm. it. So this is the reason why we have to be collaborative. In being collaborative, I now have to explain to my stakeholders mm-hmm. that this is what we do, that this is how mm-hmm. we do it. I'll give you a, com- a completely unrelated mm-hmm. example, but that mm-hmm. will help. When I was young, I was taught how to watch a car. Mm-hmm. And I was taught to wash a car in a certain way for certain mm. reasons. And I and I passed that over to other people who want to learn how to wash mm-hmm, a car. Mm-hmm. I was taught that you wash from the mm-hmm. top. And that you wash the top, you wash the boot, you wash the bonnet, you wash the mm. glass. 
you watch half of the site and then you stop mm-hmm. you rinse that off and then you get another cloth mm-hmm. to watch the bottom half because that's where the mud mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. yeah because if you use the car if you use the cloth that's mm-hmm. got mud to watch to do the upper bit you scratch mm-hmm. the paintwork so there is a method to the madness once you can explain the method to the madness yeah. okay you will find that the the stakeholders and the leadership team that you're talking to will get it once they get it then what they do is they endorse once they endorse then the culture can filter down into the project and into the organization okay now i now, now i feel like we've gotten technical and we've gone into the challenges because <laughs> i can i can hear from your voice you are getting excited talking about this right <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's beautiful uh, I, i guess it's beautiful to see when uh, um you one is passionate about what they do uh and i'm wondering is there is there what role does passion play in um you know leveraging the opportunities i know we've not talked about the opportunities so far but mm. you know just generally how how can you what role does uh, uh that passion play in what you do generally and if you were to rate it would you rate it a 60 40 uh is it very very high up there if you want to succeed in the IT industry you need to be passionate about this thing you have to be passionate about security or coding you passion is everything mm. especially because you see in IT what we're doing is we're creating mm-hmm. sometimes we're creating with a blindfold mm-hmm. because everything we do is focused on the future mm-hmm. so yeah a small percentage of the work we do is 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 focused on maintaining what we have today and fixing what we built mm-hmm. yesterday more than anything else we're focusing on the future so today we have big data we have artificial intelligence we have augmented reality we you know all sorts mm-hmm. of things and those things that they, they've come out of thinking into the future and trying to future proof what mm-hmm. we have meeting the demands of people today so um passion is everything if you're not passionate about what you do it will get to a point where it starts to become a chore mm-hmm. or where it starts to become a burden mm-hmm. And that is where and and for those who are passionate that's where actually it all just starts that's where the excitement actually moves up a notch if you see what I mean yeah so one of the things i always have to do especially if i have a team that's passionate yeah. which most of the time i usually do because i select carefully mm-hmm. is i actually have to i actually have to keep my people out of the office and say you know what it's time to go home mm-hmm. now you understand yeah because they're so involved and so passionate about what they're doing that you know they just literally sat at their desk and it's 6:37 o'clock and I'm thinking oops no mm. <laughs> and uh, you you know there's a stereotype around the uh um the IT industry that uh, most mm. people in IT are logical thinkers um so and passion is a thing of em- uh, an emotional state almost like the right side of your of your brain mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. how do you convince um or address that stereotype in this context because if you look at the number of people within the industry most of them are probably about left side you know brain sided uh, than, than mm-hmm. right hand so how do you navigate that science as well very interesting question the answer the simple answer is acceptance and i say this because you are absolutely correct mm. but from a software testing perspective mm-hmm. we wear two hats so they all the other guys wear one mm-hmm. hat 
and the heart is the, the heart of building and creating. Mm-hmm. We're building software, we're creating software. Honestly, people are going to be really excited. Wait till they see what mm-hmm. we've done. So that's the thinking. But from a software testing perspective, we begin to depart a little bit. We actually, aside from wearing the IT hat, we also wear the business hat. Mm. So my guys are the guys that think to themselves, this is a really nice application we're building, but we better be careful because as good as it is, if it takes the guys at the help desk Mm. an extra three minutes to do something that took them 10 minutes to do before, if it's now come from 10 minutes to 13 minutes, then you know there is no business case for this application we're building so we think like that or we think like we're building something for the nhs and this is going to check people's temperatures and and it's going to check their health and also going to make automatic recommendations based on what Mm -hmm. we take yes it's very exciting but we need to think about people's lives Mm. you understand so we we recognize that there there is there is strength in the diversity of ideas within it mm. we have no problem with that whatsoever we recognize that different people come to the table with different strengths mm. our strength is to be able to look at things both from the it from the it and the build perspective and also from the customers and the end users perspective. Mm. that's what makes us that what okay we do. okay so that's that's uh that's a great uh sales pitch for for for, for. For, for, for your market and industry, I must say. <laughs> it is, it is. I, so I it admit, like I, I, that sounded really good, in, didn't it? Including being passionate. Uh, uh, in addition to being passionate, you have to be a great salesperson as well. Um, from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. yes. From an analyst perspective, you know, roll up sleeves. Um, you just need to. You just need to do mm-hmm. it. You just need to, so you need to, so software testing, we we, we, we say that software testing is a process, mm. a proven process. Mm. Okay. We have our framework. We have, we have exactly the way we do mm-hmm. things. And so when you get good software testers onto your project, it just go, mm. they know exactly what they, they're very self-managing. Mm. You understand? Yeah. Which is the beauty about, um, and, and, and what they do and how easy it is. For them to be able to perform at um, you know on all thing, all cylinders yes, so yeah there's a difference between so, so let's mm. talk about the opportunities uh within the industry um within the it industry there's a new way mm. of working as you you know mm-hmm. it's a buzzword now everyone's talking about remote working um, um some people are calling it um i think it's called divergent working some people are calling it or dispersed uh, working rather than remote working and all these terms are being thrown around uh, and alongside those terms are expectations people are expecting that these new disruptive ideas will also create new jobs and new opportunities just as much um, and if you belong to another side of the fence the another the, the other side of the fence believes that all these automation uh, artificial intelligence will also mean that we would uh, be losing jobs. Now, we're not going to be talking about the politics behind there. Um, rather, it's what what list of opportunities have you identified um, since um, the uh, lockdown and post the lockdown? And hopefully we don't get into a second lockdown soon. But, you know, th- through this whole episode, what opportunities have you identified um, that we should be uh, exploring as listeners it's it's very very interesting um from an it perspective 
Um, well, we're kind of everyone is like yawning in boredom because there's nothing new here. Because we got to this point way before everybody else, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure enough. I'm just, you know, saying saying how it is. But let's 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 go back to the basics. So here's what COVID nineteen has done for mm-hmm. us. It's done two things. Number one, like you pointed out, there's a massive shift, okay, towards working remotely. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you call it working remotely because it doesn't necessarily have to be working from mm-hmm, home. Mm-hmm. So you can be working from anywhere apart from the office as long as you're comfortable with it and you're safe with it. And what this does as an extension is it, is it, um, it improves and increases quality of life mm. and the balance. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is the real work-life balance mm. because I can wake up, I can start work at six, I like. Mm-hmm. So you see that two hours that I spend getting ready in the morning to come to the office. I can start work at six in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can stop at twelve midday, go do some stuff in town for two hours. Mm. I can come back at two o'clock and I can work again till seven mm-hmm. o'clock. And you know what? Just before I go to bed at ten, I can check a few emails for about half an mm. hour, and I am not in any way whatsoever feeling stressed. Mm. So this is the new norm. It's called quality of life. We're all going to love it. So there's there's, there's, there's the working remotely. The other thing that COVID-19 has done for us is that mm. it has given us a massive shift mm. to online purchasing. Mm-hmm. So we were buying stuff online, but that was a preserve of a certain uh, uh, user profile uh, back in the day. Well, I say back in the day. As of, up until last year, I still had people who would say to me, nope, I'm not buying anything on the internet. Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm rather go into the store. Mm. Okay. Today, not only do we not want to go into the mm-hmm. store, we don't even want to get on a train. We don't want to get on a bus. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see anyone. We don't want to touch anything. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that everything we want to do, we want to do it online. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the opportunities. Mm-hmm. For, for, for organizations where most of their um, staff are now going to be working from home or from a, a large, you know, sizable chunk of their staff are going to work remotely, mm-hmm. it means two things. For the organization, it means that they can close down um, uh, buildings that are, you know, gulping a lot mm-hmm. of money. You understand? From the point of view of providing a desk. Did you know, Chairman, that your desk in the office on an annual basis costs anything between four and six thousand pounds? Wow. Basic. That's just you coming in and having a desk. Wow. Yeah. So if you think about it, if there, if your company has a hundred people, mm-hmm that work in a central London office, if they shut down that office and go and find somewhere for 20 people for meetings mm. somewhere, somewhere you know, around the corner, the savings in costs is just amazing for the company. Mm. Okay? So that's one thing. But what the company has to do, which is, this is the exciting bit now, what the company now has to do is that they need, because people are working out of the office, it means they're working outside of the corporate network. Mm. Mm-hmm. The corporate network stands as a fence, mm-hmm. you like, where you're either in or you're out. When you're in, you have access to all your company's applications, all your organization's applications, systems, mm-hmm. everything. And when you're out, you don't. Mm-hmm. So your blogs cannot see your applications or cannot use your applications. Now, because a large chunk of the workforce is going to be working remotely, we now have to tweak our network, mm-hmm. make sure that people who are not within the perimeter can access all the resources they need to do their work. Yeah, yeah. And I can see a what that huge means. security risk there. Uh, well, luckily, luckily, 
you know, um, because we had come leaps and bounds in cloud computing just before, up until the time before COVID mm-hmm. set in, we already were a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. okay with this technology so the, the, the guys who built this are comfortable they will tell you that the risk around remote working is not as high as it used to be 10 years oh, ago okay okay mm-hmm. okay so because of efficiencies we've, we, we we've started to move things to the cloud which basically means you move your you move all your infrastructure online to a common area mm-hmm. that is policed policed and and and, and managed by um, a group of people who specialize in that. Mm. Okay, so there's a model, a lot of models that are out there where we're getting to the point where organizations actually don't have to own their applications. They can actually hire them. And we call that software as a service. Mm. Where if, if your HR your HR application for an organization that has 20,000 staff, you could actually hire it and just pay a subscription every month. You don't own it. You don't, you're just renting it and specialists are looking after it and you pay them for mm. it. So if we now come to today's world, what this means for the other companies who have now been forced into the situation where their employees are working remotely, mm-hmm. it means that a lot of all their applications need to be accessible from outside of the network, mm-hmm. which basically means that they need to move a lot of their applications and their infrastructure onto the cloud because it's cheaper and it's more efficient. Mm-hmm. What that then means is that it creates lots of jobs for people within IT. Mm-hmm. Okay. You understand? So, yeah. So, for, for so there's going to be development work. There's going to be uh, networking work. There's going to be infrastructure work. There's going to be server work. There's going to be testing work. There's going to be business analysis work. There's going to be all sorts of work. The full product uh, uh, system life cycle, um, you know, uh, elements will be available from a job perspective, or anything from your project management right down to your you know project management office. Okay. Analyst. So if if yeah. if I'm thinking of moving um, <clears throat> organizations or uh, changing jobs, uh, and <laughs> I want to transition from let's say I've been in business development or somewhere sales and marketing, and I want to move <laughs> into an IT industry uh, to capitalize <laughs> on some of these opportunities that you've mentioned, what are the <laughs> steps I can take? Where do I start? Mm, very good question. Before we go there, I'm going to tell you the second major opportunity. Mm-hmm. So the first one is the opportunities that have arisen from people being forced to work from mm-hmm. home. Okay, and we've said that that means that lots of applications and systems need to be moved to mm-hmm. the cloud, and that needs to be you know. So we need to enable these things for people to be able to. The other thing is the. Remember, I said we talked about a, mass, a massive shift to online buying, online purchasing. So this is this is this is e-commerce mm-hmm. now, especially you know B two C, where uh, you will find that a lot of companies who sell online are going to up their mm-hmm. game, up their capabilities, and those who don't sell online are now going to start to sell mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. So there is a whole demand. There's going to be a whole demand around um, e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, back to your question. If you were transitioning, what would you do? The fact of the matter is, well, number one is to understand the technologies that are obtaining today. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about anything to do with e-commerce, anything to do with cloud computing, and then the future disruptive technologies, artificial intelligence, you know, big data, mm-hmm. um, augmented reality, autonomous vehicle, automation, that was the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. So. From a general knowledge perspective, 
it needs to be future facing mm. from a profession perspective from an it perspective you could look at anything from being a project manager from being a developer from being a business analyst or product owner mm. uh, from being a scrum master so within the full life cycle right up to being a software tester a deployment manager uh security engineer uh, you know non-functional test analyst everything that we do within it is now going to have more opportunities wrapped around mm-hmm. them because everything we do within it is it's going to it's going to be hinged off the underlying technology that is going to now be enhanced that we're talking about mm-hmm. you understand so whatever it is you're doing within it mm-hmm. okay as long as you have knowledge as long as you have taken you are taking the pains to equip yourself with tomorrow's tech the knowledge of tomorrow's technology today and tomorrow's technology you'll be fine mm. somebody who is coming new into it needs to identify the profession the, the, the area of specialization mm-hmm. and then put the knowledge on it so if you're coming into it you're either a technical person mm-hmm. so at a very high level you're either a technical person or you're on or you're, or you're a business mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. You're a technical person then you can go into you know infrastructure you can go into development you can go into database you can go into coding you can go into all sorts of things if you're a business person you can go into business um you know business analysis uh product ownership uh product management mm-hmm. project management you understand and so on and so forth so first of all who are you are you techie are you non-techie mm-hmm. to put it very loosely if you're non-techie you you, you go into the non-techie bit and look for that's going to work for you if you're techie you're going to the techie big and look for something that's going to work mm. for you it is very very big it's like medical sciences it's quite wide um but when you once you get into mm. it you'll always be able to that's amazing and and, and i just want to clarify a, a, a statement you made there uh around non-technical and technical um mm-hmm. a lot of us uh or let me let me not stereotype but quite a number of people are skeptical about going into the it industry because of uh the feeling that they are not technical they they i, I can't code mm. uh i can't you know the programming language i don't understand all of that technical elements uh i'm more of a mm. relationship type of person it, uh, mm-hmm. what are the non-technical roles that you can share and what sort of attributes would 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 i need to develop uh to mm. uh, be better at that yeah, that's you know it's, it's an amazing um stereotype like mm. you said because in the grand scheme of things the technical guys mm. are very prominent but they're not a majority mm. because they build stuff that we use so we know mm-hmm. them you understand mm. But underneath all that, so if you take, if you, if you, if you take, for example, if we're building a, if we're building a, a, a if we're building a new Tesco.com, mm-hmm. okay, the technical element of that is quite important, mm-hmm. but the non-technical element, uh, from a proportional perspective, is, is larger. Mm. So, for example, let's start with the project manager. For every project that there is out mm-hmm. there, it basically means for every new initiative it needs to be led. Mm-hmm and owned and managed so you've got your project manager every project is supported by every sizable project is supported by a project support team or a project management office within that team there are project management analysts Mm -hmm. there are project planners there are people that deal with risk and these are all actually professions within it Mm, 
You understand? So that's just talking about the project management support side of things, the project manager. And then we go into business analysis. The guys that actually sit down, take a take an organization's um problem statement, break it down into what then becomes a solution focused um uh, 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 entity that can be passed on to the technical guys who will then design um you know the system that is going to solve those problems. So you've got the business analyst, you've got the functional consultants, you know, you, so those, those are another set of people. You've got the product owner. These are a set of people that are not technical, but what they're doing is they are, they are, they are the guys that are providing the information that is being fed into the technical team to allow them to build something that will solve business problems. Wow. Um, you yeah. have broken so you it down the- so simply. <laughs> That's the simplest <laughs> well, explanation I've ever heard. <laughs> but then, I'm, yeah, it's easy for me because well. I mean, so it's, it's fascinating <laughs> how you've broken that down. Wow, mm. wow! And and yeah. I, I'm conscious of time now, and I'm I'm gonna let mm. you go in a moment. Um, mm. We, I feel like we, you know, we talked about the opportunities, we talked about the challenges, uh, and um, sort of in a way we touched on how to navigate it. You know, how to reskill yourself and uh, understand mm. uh, which part of the IT industry you want to go into whether it's technical or non-technical. I guess as parting uh, statements, what would be your sort of, uh, if if I'm right now on uh, the, the, the podcast, let me, let me just uh, back, back, backtrack a little bit. The podcast, uh, there are people who will listen uh, at different phases in their journey to success. And one of the things mm-hmm. that uh, is pertinent on the platform is sharing how if one person, if 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 someone on comes on the show has been successful in a particular area, um, one of the ethos we share here is that it's you are responsible to inspire the next set of people, regardless of where mm. they are. They might be on the same trajectory as you, or they might be uh, higher or lower than you. But every single mm. uh, person has a a powerful message that they can share to someone. Now, I'm not setting you up to make it a a, a, a powerful statement, <laughs> but I'm just kind of giving mm. you a back, you know, backdrop. So, what will be that parting statement for someone who is listening and says, "Okay, the future of work uh, in the IT industry seems to be uh, bright," as Mr. Demola shared. What should I go away with? Mm. I would say this. So there are two things. The first is understand who you are, what your strengths and areas of yeah, all your areas of strength mm-hmm. are. So if you're a communicator, if you're a uh, you know a collaborator, if you are a you know a contributor, if you, who are you? What kind of person are you? Know who you are and know your traits. So if you know the top five peculiar character traits that you have that make you who you mm-hmm. are okay for example you love talking to people or for example you love building things you know these are character traits so that's the first thing the second thing is if you want to go into it speak to as many people as possible in it Mm. because the guys in it will tell you what areas that they are aware Mm -hmm. of whether they work in those areas or work with those areas and then you'd have to go away and go and do a little bit of research. And, you know, it, if those things are really fairly straightforward. Once you understand the top, if you understand the top 15 job 
job roles in on your typical IT project or within your IT department. Actually, that's a better way to put it. Fifteen roles within the IT department. So you can do some research on them, and straight away, within an hour or two, you will be able to understand to a certain degree what is required of each one. And then you can then you know kind of make your move to to look for people who are already within um, those areas and then start to talk to them. In IT, we love to talk. We, we, we love we love encouraging people. If somebody comes to me out of the blues and asks me a question, I will drop what I'm doing, take time to explain to them and give them some guidance. The beautiful thing about IT is that where we are at the moment, the traditional modules don't really obtain a lot. So if I have 22 years experience of building an application, mm -hmm using a certain programming language, it may end up being to my disadvantage. Mm. Because two weeks ago, a new programming language came mm -hmm. out. So if you're managing us, you're going to be thinking, I want the guy who is interested in the one that came out two weeks mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. You understand? So we don't have the issue around. Experience is good, but attitude and hunger and a desire to learn new things is better. Mm. Um, we're not interested in how old you are. We're not interested in you know how tall you are, how short you are, what color you are, where you come from. We're not, we're not really interested in all those things. We're interested in someone who can come in and bring their creative juices to doing this job to an excellent mm. level. So that's one of the most exciting things about IT mm. that you know there is opportunity for people to, to 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 come into themselves. So that's what I'd say. I'd say do a little bit of digging around, look for somebody who's already in IT speak to them and then speak to their friends who are in IT and eventually you will narrow, you'll be able to match your skills to what is available over there. You tell them that this is who I am, these are the strengths I have, these are my weaknesses, what do you think I can do in IT and they will tell mm. you. Uncle D, you know, if I was in front of you right now if, as a uh, Yoruba boy, I would prostrate and say thank you <laughs> because that, that, was, that was very, very to the, the, to the point. That was clear succinct i can't thank you enough thank you so much for joining on today's show i really appreciate it and i hope i'll have you back uh soon anytime anytime any day just you know give me a call and it's all done thank you. all mm -hmm. right so if you're listening again uh please do follow us on social media we're on instagram we're on facebook as well success hangout and you can follow me personally uh, I'm on um, Instagram, uh, YouTube, the whole works. Just type my name, David Onomacy or Sean David Onomacy, and you'll find more information. Uh, I did forget here, Uncle D, how can people get in touch with you if they wanted to get in touch with you? Are you on LinkedIn? Um, yes, I am on LinkedIn. So just look for Demola. Well, Demola Addition on, on LinkedIn. It will say that I'm a software testing uh, consultant. So you'll find it. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter, but the easiest one is okay. LinkedIn. I, I, I don't want to give out your age, but you shouldn't be on Instagram. It's for small boys like us. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I, I've got TikTok as well. And, uh, and, uh, You're and, on uh, TikTok. What are you TikToking on, <laughs> I, I'm testing. That's <laughs> <laughs> <I> not <smashed> that. <laughs> But well, seriously, um, you know that we are what where we're going, we are replicating these things within the workplace to get people to be more comfortable at work. Absolutely. 
so we have a way we have a facebook replica well called workplace mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we use as an intranet and an internal communication team so yeah it's just, it's exciting fantastic Ongudi, thank you so much for your time and we'll speak soon no right, worries you. you are good All have right, a good weekend too.